This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Those look like your nipples. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. And we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. This week we watch season three, episode 21 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Graduation Day, part one. As well as Gilmore Girls, Here Comes the Sun, S-O-N. These episodes are, um, well, th- these are different, I feel like. They're both setting stuff up. Yeah. In a way. We'll get into it. We do have a couple announcements. So the podcast has been growing a little bit lately. People have been discovering us via TikTok and have been binging their way through. So if you've been binging and you made it this far, congratulations. I guess if you're discovering us on season six, you've got a ways to go, though. So I hope it's still good in the future. We've also had a lot of people asking how they can support us, and there are a few ways. One, you can send donations if you're so inclined. There is and has been a link at the very bottom of our episode descriptions. It says support the show. I believe it's via PayPal. You can also find a donation link in our link tree in our social media bios at Gilmore Slayer. But the bigger announcement is to celebrate the start of season four and the start of us watching Angel, we're going to be starting a Patreon account. For a small monthly fee, we'll be offering exclusive supplemental content to the podcast, including weekly videos of us recapping and discussing our thoughts about each episode of Angel. So it'll be like bonus podcasts, but you get to see our faces. I guess we'll have to shower. We'll also be doing bonus recaps of Jess's spinoff. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, no. Now we have to do that. (laughs) Okay. They're all going to be like, didn't happen. I forget what it's supposed to be called. There's a name for it. Wayward Son, maybe? The Jess Mess. (laughs) Meanwhile, on The Jess Mess. I don't hate this idea. We might do that. Okay. So we're still working out some of the details of what else we'll be offering on Patreon, but we're also thinking it'll involve early access to episodes. We're also talking about doing monthly interactive live streams, doing live commentaries on some of the best or worst episodes we've already watched. Maybe we'll do some polls to see which episodes we should do. You guys can watch along with us and comment. Maybe we could even branch out and do live commentaries on bad movies. That'd be fun. Yeah. We like bad movies. Yeah, we do. But yeah, it's a big step, and the possibilities are endless, and we'd actually love to hear your feedback about what kind of bonus content you're interested in, like what do you want to watch and listen to. Please let us know. You can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com, Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY, or reach out to us on social media at Gilmore Slayer. And yeah, we'll keep you posted with the details of this in the coming weeks. We'd love to launch by like early October when season four starts. But in the meantime, let us know. We love doing this so much. And I know people have been asking for more content, but all the things we're currently doing are very time consuming. So like honestly, money and time are the only things keeping us from making more Brian and Stacey content. We're not a podcast studio. We're just two people in a small living room trying to keep a hungry cat from jumping on the table. We feed him. We're not asking for money to feed the cat. He just often decides he wants to eat as soon as we start recording. We should just lie about that. We need food for our cat. He's going <laughs> to die. He's very hungry. Oh, my God. Don't send us cat food, though. It better be cat. <laughs> yeah, please. He's got very specific tastes. <laughs> yeah, that's updates on that. We got another five-star review, Brian. Cool. Thank you so much to Catherine Melissa. Thank you. Stacey, I know our listeners want more updates on our neighbors in the fantasy garden. Yes. So the man who tends the garden and another man who tends the garden 
unclear their relationship to each other, were tending the garden. As soon as they went inside, the loud neighbor with the loud dogs just like hangs her head out the window and starts complaining about the garden again. And I think she was on the phone, but she might have just been pretending to be on the phone. So who is this complaining for? I think... For for us, I mean, she's clearly an exhibitionist. We've seen her lotion herself nude in front of her window. I think she's just like maybe performing her gripes for the neighborhood. She could have been on the phone, but she was just like listing vegetables they could have planted instead of ivy. <laughs> I've never seen her down there. So like, wh- why didn't she? She's not planting any vegetables. I, I've seen her down there to show people the garden and complain about it loudly. That's right. She did go down there one time to point Two out times. what she didn't like about it. I've seen her twice with different women loudly complaining about the garden. This garden is very contentious you know our whole neighborhood is either for it or against it the men cut down a bunch of the stuff and i don't know if it was because the hurricane was coming they were like this is all gonna get ruined it was probably a court order from the naked lotion woman (laughs) and that's the episode next week we'll be watching gilmore girls (laughs) just kidding we'll talk about the shows should we get in the episodes let's do it this week we started with buffy stacy tell us all about graduation day part one So this episode is about graduation day approaching. It's like tomorrow and the gang is very nervous because they know the mayor's coming and it it seems like he's getting ready for graduation day too and um, Faith's getting ready. Everyone's just getting ready for graduation day. That's kind of what this episode's about. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Every time Giles does the previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it always sounds wrong because I'm so used to saying like this week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Yeah. So graduation day is finally here. The seniors are picking up their robes. Cordelia's pissed that the robes are maroon instead of teal. No, robes are like 100% of the time your school colors. Maybe black, I guess. I think I've seen white. Never just a random color that not only isn't your school color, but clashes with your school colors. Also, teal would be a weird color. Maybe teal was popular then. Cordelia would know what was trending. That's true. Xander is having this feeling that he's going to die soon. He says he's been lucky too many times and there's no way he's getting out of this school alive. Is Xander going to die? I don't know. You know, we know what's going to happen. Everyone's going to die and Anya's going to fix it. She's going to get her wish powers back somehow. You think so? You said that what? like I'm right. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Anya's going to do something. That's for sure. Willow's signing everyone's yearbook. She's suddenly going to miss Harmony, even though she hates her. Buffy doesn't get what's so magical about graduation and high school ending. She's thinking of skipping it altogether and just going to fight the mayor instead. Again, how about we try to stop the mayor before graduation? Yeah, they're all like, we're going to wait for graduation. But like, okay, well, let's take a step back. They do know he's invulnerable. Yeah. But like, they could literally just keep him in a cage. There's more to it than just him being invulnerable. Yeah, tie him to something. Surround him in cement and throw him in the ocean. Is he invulnerable to locks? Like, just hold him until after graduation and like, maybe then it's over. I feel like they're barely trying. They're handling this ascension thing with a real wait and see approach. Yeah. I guess to be fair, when Buffy tried to take the fight both to Angel and to the Master, it was like part of their plan. So maybe she's like, you know what? I'm just going to wait this time. That's fair. But then Xander informs them that Buffy can maybe kill two birds with one stone because the mayor is scheduled to be the graduation speaker. Speaking of which, we maybe just saw two birds that got killed by one stone. Yeah, we watched. There was two dead birds (laughs) on the ground. We both were like, one stone? Faith is going to visit a college professor. She's thinking of turning her life around and taking some college classes. (laughs) 
Just kidding. She's there to violently murder him. Yeah, so bad, too. So mean. He lets her in. It's actually pretty creepy. He's all like, call me Lester, baby. I've never been married, and I'd love to have sex with something besides all these artifacts. Yeah, that's that's what he said. That's how the episode goes. As soon as she was like, I work for the mayor, I'm not a student, he was like, well, then, I can have sex with you. No, she walks into his apartment, okay? Uh-huh. She exudes sexual energy. She's wearing one. all leather, very squeaky. She walks in, and then she's all like, you got a wife? Anybody else here? So it wasn't like she walked in and he was like, well, 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 don't you look scrumptious. He just smiles at this idea of this young woman coming in and asking about his singleness. That's fair. He did loosen up a lot. He did. And then she just stabs him in the stomach a bunch, admitting she doesn't even really know why, just that the mayor wants him dead. It's a shame. I really thought this might be the episode where she turned her life around. Did you? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) No, it's too late for Faith. Yeah, she was like, you know what? Instead of being a murderer, I want to be a volcanologist. She studies Vulcans? hmm At Faith's apartment, she's trying on her ascension dress for the mayor. It's this pink dress. It's actually kind of a buffy dress with, like, some willow twists. He's, like, very complimentary to her, telling her the ascension is her day, too. She's going to blossom and show everyone how wonderful she can be. And then he says no father could be prouder. She says, I hope I don't let you down. And he says, impossible. He's such a creepy fuck. Yeah. Ooh, not, I just don't believe him. I do. I don't We'll see. I have one more episode to see if I am right about him using her. It's weird because we've talked about this a little bit, but the first time I watched the show, I remember leaving this. The mayor actually really likes and loves and cares about Faith. Rewatching it, you can tell that it's not like unconditional love, at least not until the last episode, I feel like. Well, not until this episode, if anything. Because he says to her, like, if you don't get this done, I'll kill you or I'll replace you. And then he's like very stern with her in like the last episode. Mm -hmm. But this episode, I feel like he isn't as stern, but there's every reason not to believe him, like you said. Right. I'm excited to find out. We're probably going to watch it immediately after we're done recording this because you can't just watch one part, not the other. Exactly. What's going to happen to Jess in California? (laughs) Willow rides a bike to school for the first time ever. Weird looking bike, too. (laughs) In a skirt, too. Percy comes up and thanks her for helping him with his grades. And then he's like, after graduation, I can forget all this crap. (laughs) Once again, you think someone's turning their life around. Does he get hotter every episode? He's like very pretty. I didn't notice. Mm, You said that like you did. Anya doesn't help Percy. (laughs) Snyder is mansplaining graduation to the mayor. He's like telling him where everyone's going to sit and where he's going to stand. I don't want to be that guy, but he's actually Ferengsplaining him, honey. He he did have the makeup on this episode. It was weird. (laughs) The mayor kind of insists that Snyder make sure all the kids come to graduation. I don't know if that was like, I want to kill everybody, bring them all here, or if he was just making small talk. I mean, I think he was pretty insistent. He's like, if they want to call out sick, like, don't let them. Yeah. And then he asks Snyder to call him Richard. And then Snyder asks him to call him Emily. It was cute. <laughs> and then the mayor just starts praising Snyder, like telling him he's done a good job, keeping this wacky town under control. And Snyder's like, totally. I love doing that shit. And the mayor says that Sunnydale owes you a debt and that it will be repaid. Ominous music. I feel like Snyder's going to die. He's got to get back to space. <laughs> Xander goes to class. They reused a teacher. I thought all the teachers died. But this is the guy who wrote, don't walk away from me, bitch, on the chalkboard, and I only have eyes for you. He's like a very gruff voice. I recognized Tim by his voice. I thought this scene was funny. Yeah. He's like, I know we're done with finals and stuff, but you guys are still expected to participate. And then they're just playing hangman. (laughs) This guy loves the chalkboard. 
That is weird, though. I feel like we had finals on the last day of school. There was no class after finals. Why would you still have to go to school? Yeah, I don't know, honestly. I feel like, yeah, tests were usually the last day, but I don't know. Unless they need, like, a day to tabulate grades and shit. I mean, maybe some classes had tests and some didn't. I don't know. Yeah, like, in college, our finals week was all, and maybe even high school, actually. It was, like, a wonky schedule for finals. Anyway, Anya's in this class, and she's, like, totally obsessed with Xander. Apparently, she had a great time at prom, and she's, like, awkwardly trying to ask him on a date. She's, like, we could watch sports. Men watch sports. Sports. Men like. Men sports. Men. Xander's, like, whatever. I'm kind of busy worrying about the ascension right now. And the word ascension speaks to Anya. She knows what he's talking about because she's very old. In the library, Buffy's showing Giles and Wesley a newspaper headline about the dead professor. And Giles and Wesley are just casually fencing? Well, Giles is fencing casually. <laughs> I think Wesley's <laughs> yeah. giving it his all. That's true. It was cute. I feel like they were both pretty good at it. Well, Giles was, like, much better. Yeah, I mean, considering he was reading a newspaper, I don't. maybe he fences. The well, actor. they showed him use a sword against uh, Balthazar. Mm. Well, Balthazar's people. Right. Balthazar's vampires. Yeah, don't call them people. Yeah, sorry. Who are you apologizing to? <laughs> people who don't want to be associated with vampires they want to try to figure out why the mayor might want this professor dead so buffy's gonna go investigate his place so that's like a weird flaw in the episode though okay this volcanologist dies and they're like it's faith but how do they know it's faith buffy says she recognizes the wound as one of her pieces like she says she recognizes the brush strokes yeah but what the fuck does that mean there's like a million murders in this town is there a picture of the wound like, yeah, also, yeah, it's a like, look at this dude's gut. Did they deeply describe it in the <laughs> article? Yeah. Look like a very strong woman's puncture. Well, I mean, she said she recognized her piece, so maybe like the weapon was described, but I don't even know if they put that in the paper. But also, what weapon? Because Buffy has her like most recent weapon. Yeah. Maybe Faith has other knives. Yeah, okay. I, it seemed kind of like, what? Okay. I know. Buffy's often very confident about something. But often right, so... Yeah, always right. Is Buffy ever wrong about a hunch? Yeah, but rarely. Giles is worried she might run into Faith and is also kind of worried that she like might have to kill Faith. But Buffy says she's not at the point where she thinks she can do that. Which I believe her. It took her like a season and a half to be ready to kill Angel. And then Xander comes in with Anya, and she tells them all about the ascension she attended 800 years ago. Some sorcerer achieved ascension and became the embodiment of the demon Lohesh, and it just, like, destroyed a village within hours, except for, like, three people. Wesley's like, psh, Lohesh doesn't sound so tough. I don't know why he's a bro, but he's like, we've seen demons. And Anya's like, uh, no you haven't. All these demons you've been hanging out with are human hybrids. Ascension means a human becomes pure demon, and they're fucking huge. Yeah, I remember when Anya just, like, went full valley girl in this episode. I mean, she kind of is. No. <laughs> She's becoming full high school girl. Okay. They determine that the mayor is probably turning into something other than Lohesh, but Anya's info spigot is kind of tapped. And then the mayor walks in. Everyone is spooked. Buffy hides her newspaper headline, but he sees that they're reading about the Ascension in one of their little books. He's doing like his weird creepy kind intimidation thing. And he tells Giles he's raised one spunky little girl and then super serious, he says, I'm gonna eat her. And Giles just stabs him with his fencing sword. Obviously that doesn't do much. And he pulls out the sword and wipes it off with his hanky. There's no way they don't defeat him using his germophobia. This is the second clue. When Angel was in his office, he's like, oh, you can't be injured, but you're a germaphobe. And then he like held up a little magnifying glass and wrote it down in his notebook. <laughs> For a second, I was like, wait, what? He's going to be a detective someday. I'm Fox. Tell me more about your bones, Mayor. <laughs> Buffy tells the mayor to get out, and he does. 
Anya leaves too. Xander chases after her. He's like, where are you going? We need your help. She's like, no way. I'm out of here. You can't stop the ascension. I'm getting the hell out and I suggest you do the same. So she's leaving town apparently. Buffy's packing a bag, but she's not running away this time. She's running Joyce away. Joyce is like, no, I can't go. I missed your graduation. But Buffy tries to convince her that she'll probably die if she comes to graduation. She'll probably die if she stays in town. So she needs to leave so Buffy can focus on defeating this demon. And Joyce seems to like kind of concede. There's a slight nod, but we don't super see her say yes to leaving town. So who knows? She says something like, maybe I should have sent you to a different school. Yeah, all the parents should have pulled their kids out so long ago. Yeah. Your daughter's like the one person equipped to go to this school. They should have really shut down the school. Oh, yeah. It's irresponsible of Giles to let them keep having a school in a hellmouth. Was well, that demon popped out? Yeah. I remember my school stayed open even though the principal was eaten by hyenas. Willow and Oz are at Willow's house trying to figure out a spell they can use to stop the ascension. Rat Amy's still hanging out. Willow's like super panicked about dying and not getting to do all the things people get to do before they die. Oz knows what she's talking about. And they do. They do that thing. All over Willow's bed. It's very graphic. No, it just cuts to them like all naked and snuggly. And Willow feels different now. And she says it was nice. It it was sweet. It was a sweet little moment. Yeah. But they get interrupted by a phone call. Buffy goes to the dead professor's house in one of her coats. I think this is maybe the third blue coat. It could be an old one. It feels like a shorter one, though. Mm -hmm. Angel shows up and just slams into the doorframe. He's so bad with doors. There was that very light door he struggled to get out from under in Lover's Walk. This must be why he doesn't have them in his home. They're more dangerous (laughs) than sunlight. Yeah, you get a splinter through the heart and die. It's just like, how can we lower his status super hard when he enters his room? Buffy finds a report about some lava. By the way, his apartment is like right on Main Street. Like they step outside and they're like next to the hardware store, just like on the street. That's just so funny. They do that all the time in the show. It's like, and Angel was like coming out of his apartment one time and I was like, is that on Main Street? Like you live like above a hardware store or something. You don't just like have a front door next to a business. Yeah. When they go outside, they just have this like huge relationship fight in the middle of the street. It's like super petty. He kind of calls her out on her bullshit and like throws the box of all the professor's stuff on the ground. I actually kind of like this. It was just like a very stupid public street fight. Yeah. I mean, it it was it was emotional, but I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of funny. I thought the way Angel like called Buffy out for bringing up stupid shit was funny. Yeah. They're distracted, and Faith shoots Angel with an arrow from above. She's got a vampire friend with her who points out that she missed his heart, and she's like, yeah, I meant to. She's standing on a roof in, like, a big neon sign that says sun. I wonder if that's intentional, because, like, sun kills vampires. I don't know. They take Angel to the library. They rip out the arrow. He's like, yeah, I totally heal from shit like this super fast all the time. I'll be fine. Wesley's reading the document that Buffy found at the professor's house, and apparently he headed an expedition near a dormant volcano and found a very large carcass and thinks it could be like an undiscovered dinosaur or the demon that the mayor is hoping to turn into. So the mayor wanted this guy dead so that like his research didn't get out, but like... Number one, I feel like this season, the mayor is, like, tying up so many loose ends so close to his ascension. Like, he's been alive a hundred years at least. I know. And he's like, I gotta get all this stuff done in the last month. Like, you should have had that box of spiders, like, a year ago. Yeah, what's he been doing? I mean, I guess he's been maybe setting up this whole town for the demons to feed. The volcanologist should have been killed a year ago. It just seems a little, like, hasty to try to get this all done in time before his ascension. It does. Giles says that if this is the demon the mayor's going to turn into, then he's only impervious until the ascension and can be killed in the demon form. I don't really get this leap of logic. Like, they don't know that. 
The only thing I can think, because what you're saying is like, maybe that's a different spell. Why would it not be applicable once he's a demon? Yeah, how do we know it's not like his soul that's impervious and when mm-hmm. he gets transferred, that goes with him? Right. I don't know why Giles is so confident in saying that the demon won't be. Yeah, he shouldn't be. I mean, I think the idea he has is that his invulnerability is like part of the ascension process. And since they found a dead demon who theoretically could only have become part of this world through an ascension process, that must mean the vulnerability, invulnerability wears off. But you don't know that that's part of the ascension process because you don't know anything about this ascension process. Wait, did someone ascend into that demon before? Yeah. How do we know that? I guess we don't know, but I, I got the idea that that's the only way the, uh, that these demons can like roam our earth is through ascension. Okay. Well, I guess maybe more will be explained next time, but considering they knew nothing before this moment, that's a lot for Giles to assume about Ascension. You're right, and I don't know that that's the only way a demon can show up, but I would imagine it is since Anya was like, yeah, you guys don't know what you're talking about with demons. Yeah. Angel's not doing great. He thinks he's healed, but he ain't. He just, like, passes out, his shoulder's numb, he's got a fever. They think the arrow was maybe poisoned. So they say they have to move him to the safety of his own bed. You know, his bed where the only door is a curtain that Faith could easily walk through. And Wesley's going to contact the council because they have all the known toxins on file. The mayor is getting ready to eat some spiders from his Gavrock box. Faith's like, ew. And then she accidentally starts having a memory about her mom and they both feel weird about it. (laughs) She's like, anyway, can I kill something, please? Anyone? Anything? Tomorrow at the Ascension? Can I kill people there? And he's like, well, if it goes according to plan, I won't need you to do anything. But how often do things go according to plan? She's like, oh, so you still need me? And he says, always. Okay, angel. (laughs) It's like cribbing angel's notes. Then he reads her a poem. Then they get in a fight in the street. (laughs) But then she tells him a story about being a kid and being the only kid in her group brave enough to jump off this cliff. This will be important later. And then she goes home. Willow's doing some science to figure out the poison. She sends Xander to the magic shop where apparently she has a special relationship with the owner and has like a tab. They show that in a different episode where she went there like super late at night. She's like, thanks for meeting me here. Yeah. On his way out, Xander runs into Anya in the hallway. She's come back to convince him to run away with her. Why does she love him so much? Something's up with that. Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. Okay. That means something's up with that. That's not what that tone meant. Okay. <laughs> She's like, when I think about something happening to you, it feels bad inside. Like I might vomit. It's such a horrible feeling. She has a different voice now. Yeah, I know. She went from Valley Girl to this like girl doing her first freshman year acting performance. Uh, I was doing like 40s movie starlet. I mean, same. But he's like, no, you're a weirdo. I don't care if I die. I got to protect my friends, like in the Zeppo. Remember the Zeppo? It set up that he was fearless and that he saved his friends, which also Anya kind of references because she's like, you'll probably just get in the way, which was the problem in the Zeppo. Mm-hmm. I like that if that was setting this up. Probably was. She's like, fine, I hope you die. And then he leaves and she's like, aren't we going to kiss? <laughs> what is, is she like stuck in a rom-com? Is she like having her own supernatural thing separate of this? I mean, I think she really just doesn't understand human emotions because she hasn't had them in so long. But she's having them for some reason? Yeah, I mean, she got stuck in this persona and so she's having the emotions and she just like doesn't really understand how she's supposed to act on them. Angel's in his bed now, kind of whining and moaning. Oh, Buffy. Kind of just the same as he always does, honestly. Yeah, just regular old bitch angel stuff. Buffy, Buffy. Emotions. Wesley shows up. The council is not going to be helping them. Since Angel's a vampire, it's not generally in the vampire slayer council's policy to help vampires. I think that's fair. And Buffy's like, well, try again. My lover is dying. Ugh, I don't 
Don't use the word lover. You <laughs> loved one time and you're broken up. My lover. You mean the guy you give handjobs to? Like, Yeah, that's what she should have said. The guy I'm giving handjobs to. Tell that to the council. <laughs> well, that's something different. <laughs> Wesley mentions the word orders and Buffy's like, uh, actually I'm done with orders because the council's in England. Like, exactly. You don't know them. Are they even real? They don't pay you. You do you, girl. And then Wesley tries to get Giles to talk some sense into her. And he's like, well, last I checked, I was fired. So I'm with her. And then Buffy just kind of quits. And Wesley's like, don't you see what's happening? Faith poisoned Angel to distract you. And he's right. This is like exactly what I was thinking the whole episode. It's so interesting because I often see Buffy's point of view like right now, you know, with why she doesn't want to work for the council anymore. But also Wesley isn't wrong. And that's totally what Faith did. Buffy's sitting here moistening a moaning angel when she should be oh my God. figuring did out. Did you how just to- say she? <laughs> she should be figuring out how to stop the mayor. Did I say Moistening some- a moaning angel is how we got season two, guys. We've <laughs> got to remember not to do that. And she's doing it right in front of Giles. (laughs) Wesley is kind of fun to hate. Like, he's not bad. He's not evil. Yeah, like, her disrespect for him is kind of unwarranted. He hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, he's maybe made the wrong call a couple times. I think her disrespect for him is warranted. He's, like, demanded stuff from her and expected her to be, like, a soldier for him. Yeah, that's true. But I I think she's, like, more mad at the system. Yeah. She takes it out on him. Right. Personally. But he supports that system, so it's kind of like, fuck him. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he represents the system with, like, the utmost loyalty. Anyway, he says this is mutiny, and she's like, I like to think of it as graduation, part one. Buffy's going to go. Giles says he'll call her if there's any changes with Angel. How? How's he going to call her? Last I checked, no mobile phones in this universe. What's he going to call her on? Faith's landline? <laughs> hey, Faith, can you hand the phone to Buffy? <laughs> I know you guys are fighting right now. I just want to tell her how Angel's doing. He's, he needs uh, to be moist right now. He's dry. Dry as shit. He's moaning. I just realized this is how he is most of the time. Anyway, tell Buffy I say hi. So I hear you're into professor types. Okay, 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 go away. And then Giles and Wesley just start fencing. No, they don't. Willow's figured out the poison, no problem. She said it was very easy to figure out. The way that they're going to solve the problem is tricky, though. This is a vampire killing poison, and turns out there aren't a lot of cures for it. Just the one, which is draining the blood of a slayer. There's a pretty funny joke here. Willow and Oz don't want to tell Buffy what the book says, and Xander's like, come on, guys, the suspense is killing Angel. Yeah. Buffy's like, okay, I'm ready to kill Faith now. Willow is trying to hack where Faith's apartment is, and Oz touches her neck, like, a little bit, and she's so DTF. (laughs) Xander seems a little worried that Buffy killing Faith is going to turn Buffy into a killer like Faith. It seems like it only takes once. Faith killed a man and was, like, instantly a killer. Willow has sex once. She can barely keep it together at work. (laughs) And then we get, like, a little mini Rocky training montage. Very mini. Basically just Faith punching a punching bag and Buffy doing coke in a bathroom. It does look like she did coke. I know. I think she's washing her face, but, like, she comes up from the sink in front of this mirror, sniffing and wiping her nose. I like the idea that, like, she did do coke and it just never comes up again in the show. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know why we see her washing her face. It it so does. As soon as she said it, I was like, oh, my God, it does look like she just did coke. Were they just showing us that she was psyching herself up in the mirror? She gets over it by staying with Angel. There's no mirrors there, so she can't do coke. (laughs) Buffy shows up at Faith's house, basically wearing the same leather outfit that Faith was wearing in the beginning of the episode. I think this is intentional. I don't know what's going to happen in part two, but I feel like there's something happening here with Buffy becoming more like Faith and Faith trying to be more Buffy with that pink dress and getting a surrogate dad. I don't know. I'll stay tuned. Faith might be dead, but I feel like that dress is coming back. 
Buffy's acting all tough, though. She's like, I'm here for the cure, which is your blood, and I'm willing to kill you to get it. And then Faith points out that she's wearing Faith clothes, and she's like, well, I'm ready to be like you now. And then, the moment we've been building to all season, they fight. Slayer fight. All over Faith's apartment. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. They hide the stunt doubles pretty well. There's only like a couple instances where you could tell. And that's like, we're like looking for it too. Yeah. We both at the same time are like, doesn't look like they're using it. I mean, they definitely were, but I think because they both have like their hair down that hides the faces pretty well. But I just feel like overall, this is like one of the better fights. Like it looked believable. It looked, I don't know. They were both doing a good job of fighting. Yeah, they're like pretty evenly matched. And then the fight makes its way out the window onto the roof, which is conveniently covered with a tarp to hide all the padding. And then Buffy handcuffs herself to Faith. I just thought of something. Okay. Do you think those are the handcuffs? The Joyce and Giles? Yeah, I think they are. Where would she have gotten them? When she was packing Joyce's stuff, she found them in Joyce's bedside table? I'm guessing. We don't know that Joyce kept the handcuffs. That was a joke we made for a TikTok. But, like, it would make sense. Where did she get the handcuffs? She read her mom's mind. Ew. It's fine. People can do whatever they want on cop cars. I mean, don't. You you can't, really. But Just make sure the cop is okay with it. That's the only thing I'm saying. The cop needs to consent. Yeah. Cut to the Scoobies. Giles has made a discovery about who the demon might be. Ovalcan? Something like that? Ovalcan. Alvacan? I'm going by what I wrote down, but I don't remember how he said it. And apparently, it was a playmate of the month in this book he has. Yeah, it seems to be a very big demon, because the page unfolds like it's like a children's book with a big snake picture or something. (laughs) It just keeps folding out. No way this old of a book would do that. No, not at all. Like I said, it looks like a porno mag. Like, (laughs) fold it out. Xander says we're going to need a bigger boat. Xander also makes a joke about, like, good thing no one ever wanted to check out any of these books. I like that they do meta jokes like that. Yeah. The mayor is finishing his spider snack. They don't look good. It was kind of cool, though, just, like, hanging out his mouth. And he describes how powerful the creature feels and that he can feel his organs shifting and merging. That sounds unpleasant, actually. Right, right. And then a vampire comes in. He's like, sir, there may be trouble at face. There may be? If there is, go deal with it. Don't, like, physically walk over to the mayor and tell him. Yeah, and how do you know? Are you the guy that was looking out? Like, you should help. Go into Faith's apartment, grab her landline, and call the mayor. (laughs) Back to the fight. Faith breaks the handcuffs. But Buffy brought a knife to a fist fight and stabs Faith in the stomach, just like Faith stabbed the professor in the stomach. She seems, like, kind of proud of Buffy. She's like, you did it. You killed me. And then she punches Buffy one last time and then jumps off the roof onto a moving truck. Remember, she's not afraid to jump. A very slow moving truck, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Buffy like, just stares at it while it's going. I'm like, you couldn't catch up to that yeah, truck Buffy, right jump, now. jump down and run. Like, maybe she was hurt from fighting, but I don't know. Not really. But when Faith jumps, she says, you should have been there, B. It was quite a ride. I guess meaning like all the bad stuff she did for the mayor? I guess. Maybe her whole life? Should have been there, B. And that's it. To be continued. TBC. So, Brian, is this a good one? Yeah, it's a good one. It suffers a little bit from Buffy Part 1 Syndrome, where it's a lot of setup for the next episode. But we still get the big fight with Faith. Yeah. And we still get a bunch of jokes, especially from Xander in this episode. Yeah, and like Anya is probably interesting. And the Willow Oz sex. Like, we have stuff happen in this episode. I feel like it wasn't as bad as a lot of Part 1s. But obviously, it's like the real juice is in Part 2. Yeah, I feel like I've seen... Less satisfying part ones. But I've also seen more satisfying part ones. Oh, yeah? Actually, last year's season finale maybe was a really good part one. Because that's where, like, Spike reveals that he wants to help Buffy. And Kendra dies. Mm -hmm. Although it's not much of a fight. It's just like a hypnotism throat slash. Yeah. Kendra got did dirty. She did. But yeah, I I enjoyed it. 
it's a little bit like, oh, I thought we might get a little further in this, but there's a lot to come, I imagine. I, I feel like Fate's probably not totally done. I mean, maybe she's dead, but I feel like we'll see her body. It's a huge offer that she's just like going off somewhere. Mm-hmm. We still need a Slayer's blood if Angel wants his spinoff. <laughs> yeah. Anything else for you? No, uh, no, I, I liked it overall. I thought it was good all the way through, honestly. Uh, with that said... Now for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, Season 3, Episode 21, Look Who's Barking. While the Charmed Ones are hunting for a demon, they inadvertently turn Prue into a Siberian husky with a wayward spell. Meanwhile, Cole seeks an alchemist's help in removing the human side of his soul. Well, well, well. This is interesting. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, there's no way that Prue and Leo don't... Sniff each other's butts? <laughs> to I start, don't think Leo to is gonna start, cheat. Leo's not a dog in that sense. Oh, but he, he's gonna be able, he's gonna sniff her butt. Oh yeah, he's gonna sniff her butt, and that's fine in the dog community. I think the whole time Piper's gonna be like worried about it. Yeah, because I mean sometimes I bet she's like, I know I'm like the hottest of the sisters, and that you know Leo is very sexually satisfied by me, but like, can I give him everything that my sister in the form of a dog can give him? Even though she trusts and loves her husband Leo the dog, I don't know that she trusts and loves her sister Prue the dog. Yeah, always. like we don't know how hot Prue is as a dog. Siberian huskies are pretty hot. They got those sexy blue eyes. They're beautiful. Yeah. Do you think that like Leo had something to do with the wayward spell? Like yeah. maybe they were like Avada Kedavering something. That I assume is the spells they use in Charm. Isn't that what kills somebody? Yeah. And that turned him into a dog? Well, maybe they were expelliarmusing something. But like Leo somehow jumped in front of it and then like it bounced off of him and like into Prue. And even though he's a totally different type of dog, some of that like hit her. Yeah, I think it was like a human hurting spell and it hit the dog and that like changed the spell. Yeah, yeah. But Cole, also, what's up with him? So wait, he wants to be fully demon? That doesn't sound good. I know, I'm confused because he was like on the mend as far as his bad side. This might be another misdirect, right? Where we think he's doing it for a bad reason, but like... I think he's trying to get the human side of his soul removed so he can be full demon so he can become a human. What? Yeah. I think it's a convoluted process. You got to shed that soul to get a new one. We don't know why. It's a mystery the whole episode. I think we don't find out till next week. The sisters are so distracted by this dog thing, they don't even really see that he's maybe up to something. And you think we as the viewer think that Cole might be going full dark? Yeah. But I don't think he actually is. I hope we find out next week. Tim and Prue were doing so well. Yeah, according to us. And she might be stuck as the dog now. I assume she gets undogged. I think she gets undogged at the end of the episode. And there's this like weird moment where she's like, maybe I should have done something with Leo. Like as she's about to get undogged, they kind of look at each other yeah. blissfully. Sniff each other's butts one last time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Piper's like, Ugh. And like, you don't knock it till you tried it. And then they just do kind of like some backwards version of the spell that dogged her. Leo jumps away from the magic. We'll find out about Cole, I guess. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. And then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Here Comes the Sun. All right, so this episode is a weird one. It's, on the one hand, an episode about Jess going to California to meet his dad and sort of, like, setting up the potential for a spinoff. And I just looked it up. Jess's spinoff was supposed to be called Windward Circle. The fuck is that? Windward Circle. And it's also about Rory, like... Being really stressed out and getting ready for graduation and finals. Yeah. 
Uh, I think the best way to do this is to really just split this in half. Like, I think we should just talk about the Stars Hollow part of the show and then talk about the Jess part of the show. Yeah, the Jess part really doesn't touch on the other part at all. The episode is, like, interspersed between the two of them, but, like, yeah, they, they're not related. They talk about Jess in Stars Hollow, but not, like, right now, Jess at the beach. Yeah, and there's, like, none of those fun transitions where they're like, Jess would never eat a sandwich out of a shoe, and then we <laughs> see him eating a sandwich out of a shoe. And, we, but, we don't. Spoilers, he eats a sandwich out of a shoe. Uh, okay, the episode starts at Weston's Bakery, where Rory is getting super annoyed with her mom, because Lorelai is, like, trying to memorize silly phrases in Spanish and French for their post-graduation European backpacking trip. Lorelai makes a joke about, you know, we don't even need these because everyone speaks English there anyway, right? I want to say that, like, that was so frustrating when I studied in Spain. I remember specifically, like, I mean, I know that not everyone speaks Spanish. So when you go there and you don't speak Spanish, you got to rely on people's help. But I remember being at a Burger King in Spain. And this couple in front of me who were Americans were trying to order in English. They were like, I want a Whopper with chicken sandwich and a drink. And the woman behind the counter was like, in Spanish, like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't speak English. And so they just repeated the order very loudly again in English. And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't speak English. And then they got mad. They're like, what do you mean you don't speak English? This is a Burger King. And I'm like, yeah, it's a Burger King in Spain where they invented Spanish. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. It was so fr- And then at some point, I helped them order. They turned to me and they're like, they're getting better. I'm like, what? You- you're in their country, dude. You get better. You Yeah, you learn how to, for- just pick a number. You're at a fast food restaurant. If you can say dos, you'll get fed. Dami un dos, por favor. Anyway, I was really, it's, my point is, it's like, please don't be those people. Lorelai. Lane pops in for just a second to mention how great her Seventh-day Adventist college is going to be. Uh, and by great, I mean it's going to be terrible. I have a super regressive uh, nightmare situation going there. They have separate parks for the boys and girls. That's nice. It's nice to have parks. Yeah. At their house the next day, Rory has set up like a huge ADHD study station on the kitchen table. <laughs> She's got, like, several books, like, propped up in front of her so she can just, like, study one until she gets sick of it and then just start studying the next one until she gets sick of it. I feel like that is how I plan my day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to do this for 15 minutes and then I'm going to do this thing I don't want to do for a couple minutes. Yeah, I think that, like, is, like, a legit thing you can do. Uh, but it looks crazy the way she's doing it. She also has, like, a crazy tight schedule with all kinds of stuff that she's got to do. Uh, I like this joke Lorelai made. She's like, oh, no, do you have that nightmare again where you meet Christiane Amapur and she's really stupid? Yeah, that was- <laughs> That's really funny. Like her heroes was an idiot. Yeah. And she also uh, makes a point of saying a couple of things. One, that like, mom, did the financial aid office from Yale get back to you? You know, Yale's expensive. I don't want to be thinking about that while we're on our trip. It'll be too stressful for me. Uh, and she also mentions that she's got to make time to see her grandparents, reminding us that she's still got a good relationship with them. While they're talking, Luke comically pops up in the background in the kitchen door window and like silently tries to tell Lorelai to come outside. It's, it's actually a pretty good physical comedy. Yeah. Outside, he tells her that Jess is leaving, and he's angry at first, but then, like, he looks sort of depressed because he feels like he's failed Jess. I think Scott Patterson, like, acts this scene out pretty well. But I do think this scene's a little weird because, one, at first they're, like, really physically close. Like, almost a little flirty. Not from him, but from Lorelai. I knew nothing was going to happen, but I wondered if you thought something was going to happen because you're right. It was a little flirty. Yeah. She's all, like, giggly about him, like, moving her around outside, and I was like, okay, (laughs) But secondly, the audio is, like, terrible in this scene. Like, clearly recorded later. Yeah, all of it was, like, ADR'd, which is, I don't remember what that stands for, but that means you, like, dub over it in post. Probably because it's outside. They had, like, some weird sounds. Lorelai was better at it than Luke. It's, like, hard to match sometimes. We were in a movie where we had to do that once, remember? Yeah, and I don't think it sounded great. (laughs) 
When she goes back inside, Lorelai sees like how super stressed Rory is about school. So she decides she's going to tell her about Jess later. Later that day, Lorelai comes home. It's so clear that she like just drove four feet though. Uh, she comes home and gets a letter from Yale. Turns out, somehow, some way, Yale found out that she got a $75,000 check, and so they're denying her financial aid. She, like, makes a phone call, and she's, like, inappropriate on the phone because that's, like, Lorelai's M.O., uh, and now she's stressed out because she doesn't know how she's going to pay for Yale. I don't really understand, like, how they found out about the $75,000. She got that, like, a week ago. Yeah, I know. It wasn't like she got it last year and put it on her taxes. She- maybe, like, two weeks ago. It Was it even in her bank account? I, maybe she deposited it and, like, wrote the check to Emily. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I just don't know how they would know about it. At school, Rory is delegating her yearbook distribution duties to Madeline Louise, who are lusting heavy on two guys who are carrying their yearbook boxes for them. These girls are like pretty one note. Yeah. They also say that jean jackets are out. I definitely wore a jean jacket for my senior pictures, which would have been like... That's embarrassing. They were out. They would have been taken like a few months after this aired. <laughs> but to be fair, I feel like trends hit the Midwest later than the coast. Yeah, so. yeah. Rory gets a call from Emily, who is in total bitch Emily mode. She's angry Rory hasn't called her back. Rory apologizes for being so busy, and Emily just says, I don't care how busy you get, young lady. You have to call your grandmother back. Uh, no, you don't. I'm sorry. Emily's problem is also not a problem. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what you wear. No one's going to remember. Yeah, I liked this because we. I think Rory finally gets to see how much Emily can be sometimes. Ooh, like how yeah. Yeah. Emily is just like so much right here. She demands Rory ask her friends what their grandparents are going to be wear for graduation, which of course they don't fucking know. I would never know what my grandparents wore ever. I'm sure my grandma wore the same thing she wore to all my other cousins' graduations. Yeah. And probably what she wears to the grocery store. And then she like demands that Rory come over to discuss what they're going to be wearing and also to bring colors, swatches of her graduation attire. What? What? And Rory just like folds so hard. She's like, okay, What? I'm not positive, but I think Rory's graduation robe is black. I hope so. That's hilarious. (laughs) So Rory's about to, like, solve the emergency situation of needing to talk to her grandmother about what she's going to wear to her graduation. I feel like she could just be like, I'm super busy with school, Grandma. This is very important. But that's what she kind of said. And Emily's all like, I don't care. Yeah. So Rory and Lorelai then talk on their phones while staring at each other across a room. That's funny. Yeah. Rory doesn't want to enter the room because everyone will want her to sign their yearbook, and she's also afraid if Paris sees her, she'll give her a bunch of things to do. Lorelai is manning the graduation night yacht party table, or the booster club graduation night, you know, from the booster club. Yeah, apparently Paris didn't win. It's happening. Yeah. And Paris has to help with the table. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. Lorelai then goes on to tell Rory that, you know, she shouldn't really be scared of Paris. But then Paris comes up and starts scolding Lorelai, and Lorelai, like, freaks out and gets super scared of Paris. Yeah. Paris is super rude to Lorelai, considering Lorelai's, like, let her borrow her clothes. Oh, yeah. And, like, has been very hospitable to her. She gave her concert tickets. Yeah, well, this, it's weird, because later we come back. And they're working the table together. And Paris is annoyed that no one is buying tickets. She then tells Lorelai she should unbutton her shirt a bit so that the boys get interested because they're only interested in one thing. I really hoped it would end with her actually doing it. I mean, I'm, it's weird that she says stuff like that because, like, does Jamie act that way? Because I feel like Jamie doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he does. I don't know. But I think Paris thinks Jamie is maybe better than the boys at the school. Sure. Lorelai tries to distract Paris by talking about her school options, which I feel like is also a touchy subject for her, but whatever. Lorelai essentially tells Paris that she's got to make sure to pick a school based on whatever Paris herself wants and to do that instead of considering her mother or her boyfriend. Paris agrees that she'll try that. And then Lorelai tries to hug Paris. I, this is, I hate this, actually. I hate this scene. 
Paris like hates it because like, she's like a robot person. You know, she's all like, uh, what are you doing? I thought it was good writing that Paris is uncomfortable with it. I do too, but I, I think it's supposed to be played for laughs. Like Paris doesn't like this. But also I think Lorelai's being crazy right now. Sure. Because Lorelai has not said anything profound or even that helpful or insightful to Paris. She's like, be true to yourself, essentially, is what she says to her. I do feel like Paris, though, didn't realize she could do that. And Lorelai sort of told her that was okay. Sure. She gave her some advice and maybe it helped Paris, okay? But Paris didn't, like, cry or something like that or, like, show an emotional break. But yeah. Lorelai's all like, I'm going to force a hug on you. Paris clearly doesn't want a hug. Yeah. And Lorelai forces it. She's like, no, we're hugging. Like, give in to it. And I'm like, no, you can't force a hug on someone. Especially after the advice you gave was not that amazing. There's something about Chilton that makes Lorelai really want to get close to people. Apparently. Once Lorelai gets into the school, she has no sense of personal space. So Rory goes to Emily's. And then we get to meet Miss Celine. Wow. Miss Celine is played by Alex Borstein, who has played at least three characters so far in this show. Yeah. She played the heart player. She played that Midnight at Oasis guy, whatever that guy's name was. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. You know what I'm talking about, that like weird neighbor that needed Rory to water his lawn. Dwight. Dwight. If I said Dwight, no one would know. But the weird neighbor with all the board games that needed her to water his lawn. She played his wife on the phone, and now she plays Miss Celine. Miss Celine is Emily's fashion consultant, and she is a cartoon of a person. She's dressed like the psychic in the arcade in Big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's just crazy. And it's I'll say the makeup is really good. You can you can't tell it's the same actress. I mean, you can from the mannerisms and the voice a little bit, but I don't think I would have realized it. So I knew that she played another character in the show besides the Harp Lady, Miss Celine. For some reason, I only thought it was in A Year in the Life. I didn't remember that she was in the actual show. So had I not like seen in Facebook groups that she plays two characters, I don't know that I would have known it was her. I recognized her right away. Well, uh, I also told you she was in this episode because I saw her name at the top. So I thought maybe she was back as the heart player. Right, but when you said that, I didn't know who that was. You don't remember who the heart player was? The actress's name, no. Oh, but I was like, that's the person that played the harp lady. She also plays the judge. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like Alex does a great job. It's so over the top. I think it's pretty funny, actually. I'm trying to separate myself from knowing that they reused an actor that's clearly, like, friends with the showrunner. Right. Well, like, would I have liked it? Because I feel like it was, I was really taken out of it because I knew it's this woman in pretty good makeup. Like, she's pretty unrecognizable. I thought it was good. It didn't bother me. It was a funny character, but it is very over the top. Like this, So over the this top. This whole premise of them having a fashion consultant yeah. who comes to their home for decades. One of her bits is that she'll see someone and then loudly proclaim they look just like some very attractive actress and then like start calling them by that name like she sees Rory and she's like oh my gosh it's Audrey Hepburn from Sabrina but without the affected accent meanwhile Miss Celine's voice is insane that was very funny <laughs> yeah but she just keeps calling Rory Sabrina which isn't even the actress's name just <laughs> the character she played and she also just like keeps dropping names constantly She's like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I've also consulted for Mrs. Walter Cronkite and Jimmy Stewart before his colonoscopy. That was all very funny. And then at the very end of the scene, she just sort of, like, stares at Rory for, like, a nice long comic beat. Yeah. After giving her some advice or something. Yeah, she's got all kinds of funny advice, like, never underestimate the power of a good shirt. <laughs> I feel like at some point when Roy's on the couch, like, she wants to break. She might be laughing at the person, but I feel like the actress is like, oh, this is funny. I think that's why I was taken out of it. Because the whole time, I'm like, do the actors think this is ridiculous? Because this is ridiculous. She also says something like, I always dress people from the top down. Always with the hat first. You know, that's the first thing God sees when you walk outside. <laughs> 
So dumb. It shouldn't have worked, but it, it did work for me. Uh, by the way, side note, Emily is wearing a dress with the dots right where her nipples would be, and it was very distracting. It was like, it, those look like your nipples. It's a beautiful dress. It looks great on her. Yeah, her tits look great. <laughs> but like, was that one of the options for graduation? Because it's so fancy. Yeah. Although, isn't Richard in, like, a really fancy suit, too? When is he not? I mean, it seemed like a like a party tux. Well, I mean, it's a little dressed down because it's tucked into his sock, like always, but... <laughs> yeah, we've caught this in the show before when he exits a room and his pants are tucked into his sock. It happens again. Yeah, does he have, like, an ankle monitor on or something? <laughs> What's going on? Uh, He's I mean, always wearing, like, white socks. Yeah. So it's super obvious. It's like, Richard would not wear white socks. Eventually, Lorelai shows up to pick up Rory, and Emily is, like, super weird about it, of course. She apologizes for not mentioning she was coming, but Emma's like, I don't care. Lorelai is surprised that Miss Celine is uh, alive, or rather working still for Emily. <laughs> Apparently she's known her since she was 10. Yeah, and she like remembers all her jokes and stuff. Yeah. She called her Natalie, Natalie Wood. Lupe, Emily's maid of the week, uh, shows up to announce that dinner is ready. And Emily like insists angrily that dinner is not ready yet. She saw it it needed more time. She should go work on the salad. And Lupe's all like, the, sa- the salad's done. Like, what do you want? <laughs> Lorelai realizes that she's just pretending dinner isn't ready because she knows that Miss Celine is like a big Mrs. Manners and that if dinner is announced while Lorelai's there, Emily will have to invite Lorelai to stay. And Emily obviously doesn't want her there because they're fighting. Oh, was it because of Miss Celine? I thought it was just... Well, yeah, she says that Miss Manners is here, and you know she'll insist I stay. No, I think Miss Manners is like like a Dear Abby type thing. You know, like it's a real person kind of, or right. persona. Uh-huh. So I think she just means like, oh, if Miss Manners were here, you know, the god, the manners, gods. That you serve. Yes. I, I didn't even mean that ironically. I mean, like, the duty Emily would feel. Yes. Because she, no, she's got that, like, whole duty thing. Yeah. She would feel like she has to do it. As if Miss Manners was like a book that she reads and follows. I see. I thought it was because Celine was there and was like, knows her. Right, yeah. I see. I see why you think that. Emily insists she has a book club later. That was funny. And she isn't being petty. She's just busy. But then, like, she gets quizzed on it. She's like, <laughs> what, what book? You? Lovely Bones. Did you like it? It was okay. Not really my style, but I could appreciate it. <laughs> then Richard walks in and accidentally ruins Emily's lie. He's like, I'm hungry and it's dinner time now. We got nothing going on tonight. We're bored. Lorelai storms off and Rory follows her outside. Lorelai says that she's like had it with her family and she just is done with them and doesn't need to try to connect with them anymore or feel bad about not connecting with them anymore. Rory's a little mad. She's like, you didn't even ask if I wanted to come. You just said I would stay. But Rory doesn't want to stay. She she wants to leave. So she goes back inside to grab her stuff. And Emily complains how Lorelai always has to make a scene. And Rory just says, I think you're being dumb and leaves. Bet you didn't see that coming, did you, Emily? That was great. Yeah, Emily's face here was perfect. Just like jaw open, like what? It's not the first time Rory stood up to them. I feel like she stood up to both grandparents before. But it doesn't happen a lot. No. Afterwards, Lorelai and Roy are driving back from eating at a place called The Soup Plantation. Sounds great. Sure. When they're driving home, they stop at the only streetlight in town, right outside Luke's. I'm guessing that whole episode about setting up the streetlight was just for this. They're sitting at the light for a while when they notice Luke, like, sweeping outside. He makes eye contact with them and then just, like, hurriedly scampers inside. That was also pretty over the top, but very funny. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Dumb. Obviously, he's being weird because Jess left, and Rory won't let it go. She's like, why was he being weird? Why was he being weird? And so Lorelai finally tells him, well, Jess is gone. She almost seems like she maybe knew. Yeah. Or I don't know. Not that she knew, but, like, maybe hoping it wasn't true, but suspected. Lorelai decides to run the light because there's no one coming. And then a cop goes after him immediately. Yeah, she made a big deal of how she couldn't run it because she had a bunch of tickets already. When they finally get home, and this is actually like the end of the episode, Lorelai lies about the financial aid letter when Rory sees it. Obviously, she doesn't want to stress Rory out anymore. 
Lorelai goes through Rory's yearbook and sees that everyone's been calling her valedictorian. And so that's how she finds out that Rory was, in fact, named valedictorian. And so it's like a sweet moment where she's like, after you're stressed out, we're going to celebrate so hard. Now go make me worried about you. It was kind of nice. It was really nice. I will say this about Lorelai. I feel like so often Rory's trying to study and she's being obnoxious to Rory. Yeah. Like when she's trying to study in the morning, she's all like trying to make jokes and stuff with her. It's like, just leave her the fuck alone. But then we'd be bored. Yeah, I could do with a couple fewer Lorelai jokes, quite honestly. They're not all winners. So, Stacey. Oh, nope. I have a whole bunch of episodes left to talk about. (laughs) So now let's cut to Jess's adventure out west. Brian, tell us what happened on Windward Circle. (laughs) It starts with Jess getting off a bus and awkwardly, and of course angrily, walking around California for a little bit. All the state. The whole state. Yeah, just all of it. There's a scene where he's at the beach, and the Beach Boys are playing, and they're not there. There's just a Beach Boys song is yes. playing. And he's just, like, staring at the ocean for, like, a long while. On top of a child's sandcastle? He's, like, so close to these children making a sandcastle. Like, this girl's face is, like, six inches from his butt. There's no way he was there first and they started building next to his legs. He just, like, made a choice and stood on it, top of their shit. It looks like he destroyed their first castle, and they just were like, well, we're building it. So weird. I don't know if they had to do that to, like, fit everything in the camera. or (laughs) Such a weird choice. That's so weird. So Jess goes to his dad, Jimmy's house, where he's greeted by a woman standing on a roof and several barking dogs, many of which, many of which, are named after Lord of the Rings characters. Is Amy S. just, like, obsessed with Lord of the Rings? This is, like... Did you call her Amy S.? I did. (laughs) Where's the P? Fuck. It's Amy, like, Paladino. Amy Sherman Paladino. It's hyphenated. So I couldn't, Amy S. is wrong? No, but I feel like people call her ASP. Okay, is Amy Sherman Palladino just obsessed with Lord of the Rings? This is like the third reference to it this season. I think so. I want to start by saying that I sort of like hate so much of the writing for this Jess scene. For this whole Jess part of this episode, quite honestly. I know people aren't going to like that, but I really did not. No, everyone hates this episode. Okay, good, because I've got things to say. Okay. So I just hate this scene right now, okay? It seems like the writers were like, all right, so we got to let the audience know that this woman is like kooky and she's like a free spirit. What do we do? What do we do? I got it. Let's put her on the roof and she talks in riddles. Also, she's got a thousand animals. I did like her Wizard of Oz line. Did you? Would any person ever in the history of the world talk that way? No. In this show, they do. No one. If someone talked that way, number one, I feel like Jess's character, the way he's written, would be annoyed as fuck. He would be like, whatever. He speaks in pop culture riddles too, though. Yeah, pop culture? Do you think Wizard of Oz is pop culture? Okay, yeah, I do. I mean, they they don't only talk about current movies and TV shows and books. Okay. I, I just, I feel like it's too much. Like, I don't, no person would speak this way. You would not do that to a person you had just met, for sure. I feel like... Jess would maybe do that to Rory, but I don't think that it makes sense to do it to a stranger. Who I don't maybe, think it makes sense for anyone to ever say it to anyone. I don't know. I thought it was like a clever line, though. But you're right. It's not realistic. She's also just on the roof for some reason. And I think it's just to be like, she's a weird one. Was she's she, kooky. Was she doing something up there? I don't know. Pretending she's Dharma from Dharma and Greg. I don't know that reference. That's I mean, a I've, good one. I've heard of the show, but I don't. I'm sorry. Did you Do you not like it when people talk to you in pop culture references? <laughs> Everyone's seen The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Jimmy isn't home. So while Jess waits, he sort of like wanders around and sort of starts mocking some of the stuff on Jimmy's wall. He's just like, where are your tap dancing shoes? But then he notices a room full of records and books. It is his dad. <laughs> I want to say that, like, that's some, like, toxic shit right there. Like, oh, he's got effeminate stuff here? What a piece of shit. Like, all right, cool. You seem awesome, Jess. I am guessing that's Sasha's stuff, and he found his dad's man cave, though. I think it's a combo. Yeah, I agree. That's probably Sasha's stuff. 
Jess looks in a wardrobe. When I say wardrobe, I mean like a big one from like Lion Witch in the wardrobe. And whoop, there's like a little girl in there reading. What a quirky place Jess is in. <laughs> this spinoff is going to be great. Roll credits. Uh, we don't know who that girl is, but, you know, she's annoyed by him bothering him. <laughs> But she likes to read, so maybe it's Jess's sister? Could be. It's not. Then Sasha takes Jess for a quick walking tour of the set of his new spinoff show. Sasha somehow talks even faster than Lorelai. Honestly, she talks so fast. I'm guessing they're trying to get an entire pilot's worth of information in like a half a Gilmore Girls episode. Well, she's got to say hi to all these townies and establish a bit about them. Oh my God. Every single person she meets, she's like, okay, I'll see you at that Pizza Hut place that we raised together. And don't forget your daughter's still alive. Did you see you at that Pizza Hut place we raised together? I was didn't do a lot of thought into <laughs> what I just said. It was extemporaneous. Remember when we raised that Pizza Hut and sent it off to college? Listen, <laughs> in California, they build Pizza Huts like the Amish do farms. <laughs> oh, okay. Everyone knows that. Well, they probably fucking do in this place. This is the Stars Hollow of California, baby. Oh, for sure. Uh, she knows everybody in town, apparently. Turns out she isn't married to Jimmy, and Ooh. the reading girl in the wardrobe is her daughter from a previous one-minute marriage. That's what she said. Yeah. Again, she mentioned she's not married to Jimmy. Bold. Yeah. An unmarried couple, and this time? It's crazy. Sasha takes Jess to Jimmy's hot dog stand, Dante's Inferno. We saw some pictures on Jimmy's wall that showed how Jimmy used to work there and eventually bought it. So now he, like, owns his own business. I want to point out, there seems to be a kind of a lot of similarities between Jimmy and Luke, actually. Yeah. Jimmy wears a baseball cat. Jimmy owns his own business. Jimmy's got a weird thing for pickles. We also kind of meet some of Jimmy's employees. Not really, but I, I feel like they were setting them up to be funny people. Yeah, and they seem to hate him just as much as Jess hates Luke, so it's very Luke-esque. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sasha leaves, and Jimmy and Jess have an awkward reacquaintance. Jimmy just sort of starts talking about Santa Monica, then starts talking about how he's sort of just traveled all over working odd jobs. And when he mentions living in New York, Jess assures him that he didn't come to, like, bust his balls over leaving him as a child. Jimmy also agrees that Jess should stay for dinner. It doesn't occur to him. Sasha mentioned that before she left. He's like, yeah, you should stay for dinner. I think Sasha's sort of all of Jimmy's emotional intelligence, which we'll see later. When Jimmy takes Jess home, it becomes clear that Sasha is not happy about something. So Jess says he'll go to a nearby bookstore for a little bit while they sort this out. Turns out Jimmy lied to Sasha about his reasons for traveling, and she's mad that she didn't know he had a kid either. That is maybe weird he didn't tell her she had a kid. Yeah, and it's weird that you would lie about where you're going. That's, that's a big lie for your partner. Speaking of partners... She's going to go get some pizza, and she calls Jimmy roomy, sort of angrily, which is obviously a sore point between them. He insists they aren't just roommates. They're partners, soulmates. They're together, but they're not married. So obviously this is going to be something we were going to dive into in the show, but we, we never do. Maybe we do later in this show, but they're together. They're not married. They're partners. What's that about? What's that about? Seems like a normal thing to me that no one should really question or bring up, okay. Mom and Dad and Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> right, roomy? Love you. Love you too, Rooms. (laughs) Before she leaves, Sasha tells Jimmy that he should get the spare mattress out for Jess. But Jimmy was like, what? Is he staying here? He had no clue that Jess might be staying with him or might not have a place to go. He didn't ask Jess why he was there or how long he was going to be there or if he's staying or if he needed anything. I feel like these are all questions I would have asked immediately. I'm not a father, but I feel like I would have asked them. I don't know how Jess knew where to find him. 
right? We thought maybe, like, in the last episode, we could assume after Jimmy runs out of the diner, he, like, came back and was like, hey, if you ever want to come visit me, here's my address. Maybe Luke knows, but I kind of doubt it. I'm guessing Jimmy left his wallet accidentally again. Yeah, maybe. The only other thing I can think of is maybe Jess's mom knows, but I kind of don't think she would. Why would they have contact? I don't know. But he knew where he lived. That's pretty specific. I mean, he has his name. Maybe he looked him up in the phone book or something. Yeah, that's true. Remember phone books? Yeah, if he knew the city he lived in and the name, he had a start. Or he could have yahooed. Yeah, maybe he yahooed it. So after the fight, Jimmy tracks Jess down and asks him why he's there. He also kind of had sort of a fatherly moment when he, like, didn't know where to find Jess. He's like, you didn't say which bookstore. I was worried. Yeah, you tell me which bookstore. It's like, bitch, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> he doesn't know any of the names of the bookstores. But anyway, he just like, asks him rather brusquely, like, why are you here? He wants to know if he's running for the cops. Like, kind of insistent, like, maybe you are. I would not assume that at all. Sasha kind of put that idea in his head that that could be true. Like, we don't know that that's not the case, at least. Right, but, like, if you just went to go see your son and then you, like, immediately bailed, I would be like, oh, he wants to talk to me. Yeah. If he hadn't gone to visit him, it maybe would have been a bigger question. Yeah. I mean, these are all questions you should have asked immediately. Well, Jess says that he did come to see him and he wants to stay. Well, Jimmy's like, you can't. I'm sorry. You just can't. And he doesn't give a reason. Eventually, after Jess asks like six or seven times, he says like, listen, I just got my life together recently. I'm no father. I can't raise you. And Jess is like, I don't want you to raise me. I just need a place to crash. And he's still like, you just can't. You can't. Finally, Jess has like an emotional break where he just like admits that he's a screw up, just like Jimmy is. He doesn't have his own life together. He doesn't know what he's doing. He can't stay anywhere. He's got nowhere to go. His mother's like a basket case. He can't stay with Luke. He can't graduate. And if he doesn't get help, he's going to start selling hats. After this happens, I feel like Jimmy starts to change his mind. But I want to say that like 1000% Jimmy owes him a place to crash for a while. It's his fucking son that he abandoned. Yeah. Right? Like, what argument do you have? I mean, the only thing I can think of is, like, he's dealing with Sasha. I mean, he does say he has to check with Sasha. Right, but, like, the idea, you first off, Sasha's the one that said he, we should get the cut out for mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. But secondly, it's like, yeah, I'm your father. Does he legally have an obligation? No. But does he morally? Absolutely. Especially if he's trying to get his life together and become a better person. They don't seem like the type of people that would like mind having someone crash with them. They seem like sort of free-spirited. They're adopting every animal. To be fair, that's Sasha that's doing it. But they're adopting animals off the street. Well, also that girl sleeps in various parts of the house. So maybe there's no place for him. <laughs> the girl's always in a different spot reading. Yeah. She's like in three different spots in this episode. She actually like is go in one scene. She like moves spots like magically mm-hmm. somehow. I'm imagining that he has like a bunch of like weird like children inside the walls, like in that movie, the people under the stairs. Yeah. So maybe he's like, Jess, you you really shouldn't stay with us. <laughs> you can't. But why, Dad? Well, because there's kids in the walls. Like that's I guess you can't explain that. Don't call me Dad. But I feel like he definitely owes his kid a place to crash. Yeah. Like, come on. Finally, he's like, all right, well, I got to ask Sasha. There's actually a really funny line from Jess where he's like, just tell her I'm a dog. (laughs) I I do like that we get to see, like, an actual emotional break for Jess. He doesn't, like, cry or anything, but, like, he's, like, coming to terms with these things for himself out loud. Yeah, he's he's never said that to anyone, anything vulnerable at all. It was, like, the first time. This is the kind of stuff that Luke would immediately be like, fuck you for showing an emotion. Yeah. And that's it. He says he's going to check with Sasha. Before we talk about the episode as a whole, I want to ask, like, How would you have felt about this episode if I didn't tell you what was going on here? Would you have been more confused? I don't think I would have been confused, no. Because I feel like they are clearly setting up a show. Like, the scene especially where we're seeing, like, Jimmy and Sasha talk alone. Yeah. That feels like a really weird scene to put in the show that's not about these people at all. No, absolutely. And it's like, we're we're just introducing these California people? What is this? I wondered if, like... 
No, it's, I can't say because I know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Well, this isn't going to be a show, and I well, oh, I, oh, oh yeah, okay. I knew that it was supposed to be a show, so I don't know. I could see them introducing characters, and then like we see them more like in the show. I don't know. We don't see a ton of the location. No, but it, it does super feel like they're setting up a show to me. Especially since Jess is like a main character, but we don't like follow him that much. Yeah, I don't know that Jess is like a compelling enough character to carry a show. Agreed. I mean, maybe it would have been more about like his relationship with the dad. Because I do feel like there is something interesting about him and the dad. And like the, the dad being sort of a version of Jess that like just figured it out. Yeah. That might be interesting to explore. Well, yeah, and there was this sort of idea, right, of, I don't want to say compromise in a bad way, because that's not what I'm trying to say, but there seems to be some sort of compromise with Jimmy and Sasha that, like, maybe is what Jess needs to do with Rory. Yeah. I am interested, the girl didn't have any lines, but I I feel like I'd be interested in seeing Jess' relationship with Sasha's daughter. She did have a line. What'd she say? Like, shut the door or something? Yeah, and then she also said yes to pineapple pizza. Okay. But because Jess had, like, such a weird interaction with Dean's sister, yeah, this girl's, like, a similar age, but seems to be Jess's type of person. Right. They were going to bond over books for sure. Yeah. But because he seemed like very anti-children that age, it might be interesting to see how he acts around a child that age that is more into the things he's into. So, Stacy, did you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? Um, I didn't think it would be very good, and it was better than I thought. But not really. I liked the Jess moment at the end where he like finally said what he's feeling. And like I said, I'm I'm kind of interested in how this man is Jess's father, and they've never known each other, but they are similar people. Like, that seems interesting to explore. But there's just a lot of the real estate of this episode dedicated to something that's not the story that we're trying to follow. Mm-hmm. And the other side of it was good. Like, I liked the valedictorian moment. I really liked the Lorelai and Emily fight and then Rory yelling at her grandmother. Is that valedictorian moment really earned? Like, I felt it a little bit. But part of me was like, is it earned? Like, it's emotional that she was valedictorian and, like, didn't tell her mom. Like, she could have gone to Harvard. Like, she's obviously incredibly smart. I know, but it, I think it's just Chilton is a chapter we're wrapping up, and she she won Chilton, something they worked very hard to get her into. And also, why is Paris not valedictorian? Uh, that's a good question. Everybody asks, but I I don't know. Rory got more a higher GPA. I don't believe that. I mean, I guess I guess she got a higher score. It does seem test. like Paris would. Well, we know Paris stole Rory's file when she came to Chilton, so right. it, I don't think it's impossible that Paris would continue to keep stealing Rory's file and do enough extra credit until her GPA was higher than Rory's. I don't know. It just felt, yeah, it was whatever. Paris did have that like meltdown week though where she skipped a bunch of school. Yeah. And maybe wasn't doing her homework. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, Miss Celine was funny, but it, it just felt very disjointed with cutting back and forth between the two since right. they weren't related at all. But there were a lot of really good moments. Yeah. I, I thought them finding out she's valedictorian was touching. Luke was pretty good. His scenes with Lorelai and when he ran inside. But n- no, I don't know that it's like a good episode because it's, it's like, wh- what is this other story though? I didn't like this episode um, okay. for a lot of reasons. I feel like Miss Celine was very funny. And the part, you're right, but the part where Rory like tells off Emily, loved it. But there were just so many disjointed things. And like some of the writing I just didn't like. Like, And I seem, tend to like uh, Amy S.P.'s That's right. writing, but like especially her writing for Jimmy, it just felt like exactly the kind of stuff Luke would say. Like where commas would be put in Luke's dialogue or where we're put in Jimmy's dialogue. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like the cadence. It was like, yeah, yeah, this is how I write for this kind of male character. Sure. So, yeah, and I told you already, I hated Sasha's like roof introduction. It just seemed so like cookie cutter, cookie cutter character. (laughs) That's funny. It's like cookie cutter, but cookie. 
Uh, so sorry, I, I didn't love it, even though there were aspects about it I liked. Like I said, Luke on the porch, I thought was cool. Yeah, it's one of those weird Gilmore episodes where, like, even the bad ones have great moments, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really work overall. Yeah, I love this show. I think it's really good. And like I said, good episode parts, but it just it just didn't work for me. So which episode? Gilmore, right? Gilmore is better for you? I'm going to go with Buffy. I think I am too. I wasn't as sure because I do feel like that Buffy was a little bit, I got blue balls, you know? Yeah. But obviously there were terrific moments like the fight and Buffy killing, maybe killing Faith. Yeah. It was a more cohesive story overall. I think so. And I also, I want to mention, I really didn't like that Paris hug scene. I, it really bothered me. If Paris is an autistic person, she might not enjoy that hug. It like might be physically unpleasant for her. Well, I think that was illustrated. Yeah, but then they played it like she should just give into it. She's being weird. I read it like Lorelai was being weird and like Paris was labeling that. What do you guys think? I'm very interested to see what other people think. Well, there's one episode left, Brian. Yep. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 22. Those are strings, Pinocchio. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 22, Graduation Day Part 2. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, what color were your graduation robes? How did you read that hug scene? Who's more right in the Wesley-Buffy fight? Did you want to see a spinoff with Jess? Yeah, are you interested in the Jess spinoff? I know I am actually excited if we do do our version of Jess's spinoff. I feel like now that we know these characters, there's places to go. What do you guys think they should have done about the mayor? Like, they know the graduation is coming up. Should they have done something proactively? Yeah, what are they doing? Angel just laying around moaning about Buffy? Does he get handjobs? We think so. We think so. Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you, and it helps us get discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. And if social media is not your thing, you can always send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Oh my God, if it isn't Zoe Deschanel from The New Girl. God, I get that all the time because of my fucking bangs. Do you, New Girl? Do you get that all the time, New Girl? Can we go watch the season finale now? Yes, we can, New Girl. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Bye.